0: Uh, Thanks Tom. Uh, As expected there were a a couple of questions today and I'll start with the trickiest one and uh, finish with the easiest one. Um, I thought I might get a free pass on uh, this, but uh, someone very dutifully has asked a very good question. What does Galatians 2.17 mean? I didn't really cover it in the sermon. Uh, The person who wrote, I won't read the whole question out because it's uh, a little uh, long, but I just want to say it's an excellent question. And They've summed up um, really a number of different options it could be and said, well, I don't find that one satisfying because of this. I don't find that one satisfying because of that. I'm so confused. Please tell us, Matt. (laughs) So it's a very uh, thoughtful question. So we'll just read it uh, together, Galatians 2.17, I'll I'll cover off 18 as well because I think it's uh, important. So 2.17, so after just saying no one's justified by the law, Paul says in 2.17, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed... Then I really would be a lawbreaker. Uh, there you go. There's the uh, tricky part of the passage I passed over, so I could say something I could say with confidence uh, today. Now I think uh, what the person has, the arrival that they've come to, was the exact same conclusion I came to this week. That of all the various uh, options that people with far greater brain power than me, who have devoted their life and PhDs to uh, Galatians, have come up with. All of them seem a little bit unsatisfying. I'd really, if someone can help clear this up after the service, I'd be very uh, happy uh, with that. Uh, so, firstly, just some of the things we can say about this passage, uh, this verse, is he says, if we Jews find ourselves also amongst sinners, so it's a Jew saying to other Jews, uh, that there's a potential problem that some could accuse us of here. So, firstly, as a non-Jew, I think, okay, uh, it's my whole salvation doesn't hang on understanding this uh, aright. It's not directed uh, at me. Um, so, uh, I think uh, where I, I think what's going on partly here, uh, Jews wrestling with this idea of all their lives they've been brought up to say, "You are the people of God. You live by my law, uh, by my grace." and they're going through this transitional period that the Gentiles, which they always knew were going to be included in God's plans, are now coming in and breaking all the taboos that they've been raised with from birth, that you don't do this when you're eating, here's a law, there's a law, circumcision, all this uh, other kind of stuff. Because uh, 2.15, it says, we who are Jews by birth are not sinful Gentiles. Now, that kind of, sounds like at passing that you know Jews aren't sinless but everyone else, it sounds rather derogatory to the rest of us, uh, don't you think? But I think this is a Jew wrestling with this whole sense of identity that we're the people of God, all these people aren't. And if we're going out amongst them now, um, is there in some way that as we join in with them, Does that mean that Jesus is actually encouraging us to join in with their sin or be somehow defiled with them? Absolutely not, uh, is Paul's answer. Um, uh, And then verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroy, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Now, I'll be the first to say I have no strong convictions on what that means. I'm a little bit perplexed by it. I think where I probably landed this week is he's switching back to sort of saying you cannot become saved by faith in Christ and then rebuild a whole set of other kind of laws around that because that will only show you to be a lawbreaker because by the law no one was justified and whether it's bringing the Old Testament law in or the kind of possible application today where you see Christians adding a whole list of other things that you must do if to be acceptable in this church Whichever way you come at it, if you build those laws other than faith in Christ, you will only show yourselves to be a lawbreaker because by the Lord no one ha- has ever been proved right. That's my best take at a tricky passage. Happy to um, discuss that more after the service you like. Uh, the second question, and much more quickly, uh, you said that we need to know and feel the gospel as part of our Christian life. Sometimes it seems like people put more weight on one over the other. Is it necessary that there should be a balance between the two or can we ebb and flow between them? So knowing and feeling the truths of the Gospel. I think that person's observation uh, is right, that churches do by nature uh, sometimes gravitate to uh, holding up one over the other. Uh, I think that does need a bit of a corrective. We should know the Christian faith, we should be well taught, know why we believe what we believe and we should feel it as well. I think there has been uh, an unhelpful kind of uh, distinction made where churches, if they lean strongly on the know, the active mind uh, aspect part of it, it often then comes at the expense of uh, the feeling and the appropriate emotional expression and that growing affection to Christ. Or if you find a church the other way, that's all about affection to Christ often the teaching doesn't really underpin that well and that affection is sometimes manipulated through other things other than growing in knowledge of what it means actually to follow Jesus. I don't think we've got that right historically uh, as Trinity and I'm not sort of um, having a go at other churches either. I think both need to happen, that's part of the reason uh, you know, we've tried to be clear about the Christian faith through our use of the Ms. and the first one right up the front uh, is magnification, that the whole purpose of the Christian life is to live for the glory of God. Now you could have preached; I could have applied the passage that way today because it's very explicitly stated. But we also say, and Mag that we want to help people grow in their affections, you know, to be drawn increasingly towards Jesus and to feel the Christian life as well. I think historically, out of the five M's, that's the one we've done um, least well as at a church historically. We're trying to correct that and while we have someone uh, Kelly who's standing here who's working on the staff team really with the, the task of championing that, and just to let you know more broadly for your encouragement, the, feed, the overwhelming feedback we got over Easter is that people really enjoyed our three Easter services and the way that we kind of moved through the service, how it was structured, how music was uh, brought in and I've said to people, I think as a church we've all, always been we've been really blessed by God with lots of great um, musicians and prayers and Bible and things like that, I think what has changed is giving someone the mantle of kind of being the champion for that to kind of pull it all together is starting to take effect and help correct an area that we've been uh, historically a little weak in. So I'm very thankful to God for Kelly and all the people on our mag team who are passionate about this are starting to talk about more of this stuff and trying to pull it together. I just think it's tremendously encouraging. So to come back to the person's question, I think it's natural that you, you know, there might be a bit of an ebb and flow. I don't think we always feel it, (laughs) Um, but I think uh, corporately together we should be encouraging each other to grow in our knowledge of God, to grow to maturity in Christ and feel the truths uh, of the gospel uh, as well. I'll finish up there, so don't go on all day. Thanks, Cam.